It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Welcome to another episode of the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. Thanks for being here, friends. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm your host. I'm also one of the CFPs on the program. With me in the KFG studios, my business partners and fellow CFPs, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Are there gaps in your retirement savings? And inevitably, there are going to be times in your life when you are unable to save what you'd hoped or a retirement plan is unavailable to you through your employer. So what are your options then and what action should you take? We're going to help you with that today on our episode. Wow. Like, isn't it awful when you go to get on the radio and there's a frog in your throat? You just got to clear it. You're like, I'm trying to get this thing out. No, this is embarrassing. Way to go, Kevin. All right. Well, it's the least I could do. Let's do this. Hey, we're going to hit questions later on in the program from fans of the show. We get a lot of them. And as you know, if you've engaged with us before, uh, I'm going to answer you as, as best I can and then put in the queue and we'll hit it on an upcoming program. So if you have questions for us, we'd love to hear from you. You can call or text us 574-222-2000. That's 574-222-2000. Online, wisemoneyshow.com and submit questions right there. And then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Lots of engagement, lots of questions come through the YouTube channel. So go check that out. So yeah, as Kevin was saying, oftentimes if you're if you've got a retirement goal that you're saving up for, you might say, oh, I'm going to save 10%. You might have heard someone say, save 10% or heard us say, save 15%. And you're like, I'm not there yet, but I can do that, or I can do that, and you're just trucking along, and then all of a sudden something happens in life. There's a pocket, there's a hole, there's a gap, and it's either more difficult to save if you frame it that way, or maybe you you aren't able to do that for whatever reason. I'm not just talking about money's tight. I'm talking about these periods in your life when there's sort of this gap in your retirement savings. And so I want to, we want to identify those and then talk through how do you fill them in. Okay. So we've got three or four that we're going to talk through and then sort of uh, help you get through it. So the first one, and not each one is going to apply to everyone. Okay. But the first one is, all right, I, uh, I'm, I'm aggressively saving for retirement and I'm saving 15% towards, uh, towards that goal. And through my 401k, I reach the maximum contribution limit at say September. So I'm saving 15% up until September, but then I've got, you know, a couple more months of income where I'm not saving anything. That's a gap right there. Well, and this is one of those gaps or or one of those problems, I guess you could say, that a lot of people would wish for. Because if your income is high enough that you can save that much money into your retirement plan and run out of room, essentially, inside of these huge buckets, Mm -hmm. um, that, again, good problem to have. It means you're saving a lot of money. But... If you're working off of a rule of thumb or if your retirement plan says that you need to be saving more and you run out of room or you're no longer allowed to contribute to these retirement plans at work in particular, you got to have a backup plan. And just to kind of level the, the playing field, remember, almost every year the amount that you're allowed to contribute changes. So this is a moving target. It's usually creeping up a little bit over time. And in 2022, the the contribution limits to a 401k, it's now $20,500. And that's if you're under age 50. If you're over age 50, it's another 6,500, bringing you to a total of 27,000. So again, big bucket, a lot of money that can be contributed, but it might still not be enough for you. And you may need to get creative with finding other accounts to be able to add to 
to get this money tax sheltered. You know, we just I did a video about this next to our step video on the YouTube channel. We had someone where they were quote unquote maxing out their 401k and they're like, hey, yeah, um, we're saving aggressively. We've got this big goal. We're maxing it out. And uh, and they were. This was last year, right at the end of 2021. They were contributing 19,500. This is age 52. There was uh. a separate election you needed to make to make catch-up contributions, mm-hmm. right? So be aware of that. If you didn't see that video or haven't heard us talk about that before, I mean, don't just think uh, every 401k plan is going to apply that same contribution limit all the way up. Some of them, and it's old, thankfully, not not a lot of them still do this, but there's a separate percentage that you have to uh, elect in order to actually do the catch-up contribution. And yeah, sometimes uh, employers will cap you they'll, they'll just shut it off once you reach that limit yeah um not recognizing that hey you're eligible for the catch-up contribution and it's almost like you have to manually go back in and turn it turn it back on yeah. if they mistakenly turned it off for you so you got to watch your paychecks uh, in the fall that's for sure well and it's interesting mike because you're talking about the person if they're uh, 50 uh, younger than 50 they can max it out at 19.5 or 25 and 2022 and if that if if you are a person that can do that and you can get it done by September, it's quite possible that there is a gap there. And you're, because when we talk about saving for retirement, a lot of times we'll talk about saving 15 percent for retirement. You save 15 percent for retirement and you're on ice. Everything works just fine. But what that doesn't address is, well, what about what about the the person who didn't have access to a retirement plan until they were thirty? Yeah. Or the person that had, uh, you know, life happened and they didn't contribute anything for three or four years, um, or a number of things. So if you're higher income like that, if you can, if if you've got the cash flow to max out your retirement plan and get it done by the end of September, it's quite likely that you're 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 under. You, you, it, it's quite likely you're underprepared for retirement or yeah. underpreparing. And I like, I just think in, in terms of Goldilocks and the three bears, we, uh, one of our rock star CFPs, as Ben likes to refer to them, uh, last night w- and I were meeting with a, a guy and he'd done a great job of savings and he was in his early 50s. But when we asked him, hey, do you have a sense whether you're ahead or behind or right on pace? And I was confident he'd say, I'm, I'm totally ahead. He said, yeah, I think I'm a little bit behind. And so it's, it's very interesting without running the miles and knowing for sure, because this is what I would want to know. Is there a gap? Mm-hmm. Is, right. is there Just a, because you max out by September or October, is, right. is there a gap? And I, I think the point, though, so absolutely, you've got to quantify that gap. So if, if we were to um, give you some action steps, if this is you, if you find yourself in this spot saying, oh, yeah, wait, I'm saving 15% towards my 401k, but when I actually look at my annual income, I'm actually only saving 11 because some of my dollars at the end of the year won't have any 401k contributions attached to it. Um, do the math, sit down with your CFP, do that five-factor retirement plan and actually see how much should I or do I need to be saving. If there's a gap and you need to you need to fill it in and this is you, what are your options, right? What, 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 uh, what solutions could you have to fill in that gap? Well, remember those, uh, those contribution limits that we were referring to, that's per spouse. So if both you and your spouse are working full-time and have a retirement plan at work available, you could max yours out and your spouse could max theirs out as well. 
And if that's still not enough or you don't have that second option, everyone has the option of contributing to an IRA. Um, Many people have the option of contributing to a Roth IRA. Um, You may even work for an employer who has something real elaborate called a deferred comp plan. Mm -hmm. And uh, this is usually just for higher income employees or upper management, maybe some sales folks. But it's a way for you to set aside some dollars pre-tax can't touch it until you reach certain ages and there's more restrictions on these, but it is a way for you to get more money squirreled away for this big goal of retirement. You you really glazed over what I think is the most impactful one. And I, I we see this all the time where husband and wife, they're saving up for retirement, have an aggressive goal, and they're both saving 15%. Well, one of them has income such that they max that their, their 401k contributions out by October. The other one ha- doesn't have enough income to max it out. So those, those contribution limits shouldn't be, or those contribution percentages shouldn't be the same. Have one of them be 15, have the other one be 25 so that you're actually getting more set aside for retirement. IRAs, Roth, absolutely. HSA is another option. We're going to fill in more of those gaps, identify more gaps and fill them in that more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. All right, is there a gap in your funding for retirement? Is there a pocket where, hey, I should be funding X amount, but there's just something in life where you're not actually fulfilling that to the full extent? So we're helping identify those gaps right now and then helping you fill them in. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn. And Josh Gregory, every episode of the Wise Money Show is on podcast. Wherever you listen, go check it out. Search the Wise Money Show. Follow us or subscribe to it there. Okay, so we're talking about these gaps that eh, unintentionally show up in your life just at certain periods of time where, all right, I should be saving X amount, X percent towards retirement. And then something happens and you're not able to do that. The first one we're talking about is, no, I'm saving 15% for towards retirement or 10% but you reach that 401k contribution limit before the end of the year. And so when you actually look at your total income compared to your total amount that you've saved up for retirement, you're actually short of what your goal was mm-hmm. as an overall percentage. So how do you fill that in? I think we mentioned it last time, but I, if your spouse is working and they're not maximizing theirs, to me, that's the first place I'd consider. IRA Roth is the other one, but HSA, Josh. Yeah, you know, we, we often talk about the health savings account as another tool. We, we usually think of this as maybe a reimbursement account or a, an account for spending the dollars on your health care throughout your working career, but it doesn't have to be. If you have extra cash flow available, you can instead put money aside into a health savings account and invest it. So taking an investment approach to these, these dollars could allow you to basically turn it into another retirement tax shelter because this money can grow for years and years tax-free, not just tax-deferred. So anytime you can use an account that completely avoids taxation, man, that's a magical thing. you got to take advantage of that if it's available to you. Yeah, you can say this is a component of my retirement plan and this is the, the pool of funds that I'm going to use to pay for my health expenses during retirement. So you can grow that just like you're growing your 
whether it's a 401k, 403b, whatever your situation may be. But that is a that is that is a Swiss Army knife, and it's a, it's basically a triple threat. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. So so and then you know so we're talking about tax shelters that you can fund to get there, and that's got to be a primary you know, strategy that you evaluate with your CFP. What What's your, you know, bracketology, as Kevin called it. And we talked about your, your tax shelter strategy in previous shows. But exhaust all of your options to save up into tax shelters. But if there's additional savings needed or that you have capacity for, save up into a joint account or a non-tax sheltered account. That can still get you there. Don't, don't think, well, I've I've maxed out my, uh, some people think this as well. Well, I've contributed as much into my 401k enough to get a match, so then I'm done. No, no, no. Your retirement is going to be, you know, is going to be thirsty for dollars, right? Mm -hmm. So so save up into as many tax shelters as possible, but then keep going if you have the capacity to or if your goal suggests that you should. Yeah, and, And the other person that I would want to talk to right now, we're meeting with a lot of folks who had a a great year or quite possibly their best year ever in 2021, whether it was them personally or the organization they work for. So a lot of folks in the RV industry and some of these other industries that have bonuses like they've never had before. And they're saying, Hey, listen, I've got this, I've got this bonus. What should I do? And I, I, I may or may not be filling up the, the buckets that are available to me through work and so this is where, again, I would make the case, you want to have a strategy. You, yeah. you, you want to have a plan that says, hey, this, this is how you can do it because you say, well, hey, what if I can't, uh, you know, what if I'm doing this? Um, and, I, and I've seen just recently where the husband was fully funding at work. Uh, the wife wasn't, but she didn't, um, you know, her income was 30 grand. And so we encouraged them to say, hey, listen, let's have mother – join the no paycheck club right yeah. contribute everything and have husband shift income from him to her to get hers fully filled up so now because it didn't make sense at the time because they're looking and saying I don't she doesn't want to save that much money she doesn't want to f- you know feel like she's going to work and getting nothing mm-hmm. and I'm like well if you guys put this thing together yeah. it can be amazing I was sure. going I was I was going to say I've seen that a lot when one spouse has a 401k plan where there's um, there's a a discrimination testing a highly highly yeah. competent individual mm-hmm. where listen I'm trying to save more and I have the capacity to save more but I can only save eight percent you know two percent above the average or something like that yep. and then the way around that is really goose up your spouse's 401k or you know fill in the gap somewhere else Let, mm-hmm. let's go to another area where there could be a retirement contribution gap and i'm actually going to tie two of them together here in the interest of time but also because they're pretty similar we had the great resignation maybe still going through this and a lot of people switch jobs or even not connected to this time period you switch jobs and you're not eligible for that 401k for six months or a year or whatever it is that's a gap Yep. There's a gap right there. Do you get used to the new paycheck and then all of a sudden it becomes a hardship to start saving again? Or mm-hmm. what about you transition to an employer or you have an employer where they don't offer a retirement plan at all? How do you fill in those gaps? Well, this is the beginning of the year. And so we like to encourage people to make sure they're setting goals, especially their financial goals. And if you were part of the Great Resignation, you went from one place to another, 
I would encourage you to make sure you're keeping those dollars with you, whether that's keep you, you take your prior plan and put it into your IRA. There's lots of flexibility and probably different and better investment choices in an IRA than might be possible in your new, retire, your, your new uh, retirement plan at work. But I, that's when you want to sit down, Mike, and do the budget and say, yeah. hey, I got my three bank account system. All my bank accounts are fully funded. There's a surplus here. What do I do with it? Because I'm not able to get into my employer's plan. And I would say either set up a fourth bank account that you just fund automatically. Because once you once you put this stuff on autopilot, it it, it inertia takes over. Yeah, the, I I try I I try my hardest to automate all of my savings and none of my expenses. Now that I say I try really hard, it was easier a few years ago uh, because now so much is on a subscription basis. So many expenses are on a subscription. They, they, the only way you can pay is automatic monthly. Um, but just take that premise. Automate as much of your savings as possible. I would say all of them and as few of your expenses as possible. Well, and there's no time more important than when you hit one of these interruptions to your contribution, right? Yeah. Because when you get out of that normal rhythm where you already had things automated, you already were contributing to that former retirement plan or employer's retirement plan. And uh, the, the risk is you have this external force or some sort of circumstance that prevents you from contributing for a little while. This is what throws people off on their financial plan. It's hard to get back on track unless you do what Kevin was saying, where you know, if you know there's going to be a six-month gap, let's say, before you're eligible to begin contributing to that new plan, during that six months, what you do with the cash that's eventually earmarked to go back into the plan is critical. Mm -hmm. And so you have to set this aside. You have to stay in the rhythm, stay in the pattern of contributing, even if it's not going into the 401k. And the beautiful thing is you and your certified financial planner can crunch the numbers and figure out what portion of those dollars that are stockpiling now in that fourth bank account could maybe go into an HSA contribution or an IRA or a Roth IRA. And, and the beautiful thing is you, you can make that decision up until April 15th after the year has already expired. So you have a lot of time to do some even last minute planning on this, but you can only do it if you've got the dollars yeah. preserved. Yeah, if they slip through your fingers, if you haven't preserved them, then you've already made your choice, essentially. So what are some other gaps? And then let's get real specific about which accounts to be funding. So that and more coming up on The Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. We're identifying and helping you fill in the gaps in your retirement plan, your retirement savings, you're on track, you're on track, and then a life event happens, there's a pocket where there's no retirement savings. We're identifying those, helping you fill them in. Uh, that's what we're doing right now. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFG studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Stay up to date on all Wise Money content. Find us online, wisemoneyshow.com, and then all over social media, wherever you're at, we are there as well. Okay, so we're talking about these gaps that exist as you go through life. You switch employers, or you're 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 uh, you max out your 401k and still have income throughout the, throughout the rest of the year. Where do pockets exist where you feel like, yeah, I should probably be saving, or I want to be saving to retirement, but you're you're not. One 
gap, and there's like we could go pretty deep in this one. It could be a whole show is if you're self-employed. Now, let me throw a couple of tangents at you. Um, the whole idea of saving 15% towards retirement is is a good habit to start because it puts a some sort of barometer on how much you're going to be spending, how much your lifestyle could be, and helps you save aggressively for compound interest. Well, if you're doing that on your job and then you've got a side hustle, what are you doing with that income? Mm-hmm. Well, that's just, well, you're going to pay a lot of tax, by the way. We'll talk about that in just a second. But it might just be inflating your lifestyle. Therefore, if it's inflating your lifestyle and you're not paying attention to it, now this 15% savings that you're doing on the, the other income, your paycheck income, it's not enough because your lifestyle is higher than what it otherwise would be. So that's one thing you've got to consider with with self-employed. But the other, small business owners, and if you're self-employed, you believe in yourself. You believe in yourself, you believe in your business, and you always are aware of the multitude of needs for your business. It's hard for business owners to take money out of the business. It typically is, okay? And so typically it's hard then for you to say, I'm going to set up a retirement plan and stuff as much money as I possibly can in it. Normally it's hard even to... Yeah. So any anyway, so those are two sides of the same coin. And that is when you own a business or you're self-employed or have a side hustle, that could create a gap in your saving up for retirement. Well, and, and if you are self-employed, like you said, Mike, you believe in yourself. But the other thing is your best investment should be in yourself and in your business. But the, the challenge, though, is if that's your only investment. Mm-hmm. Right. right? And, and I agree. But so when you look at there are different seasons. So we're talking about this whole retirement gap. There are seasons if you're just starting a business, you probably should be investing and reinvesting everything you have. 100%. Unless yeah. there's a surplus. If, if there's a surplus, then or if you if you start to get punished by the your tax burden, that's when you need to look around and say, what kind of relief can I get? Because there's really two angles to approach this. One is the tax relief that I can get from using a retirement plan, but the other is funding my retirement plan yeah. that I can get from funding my retirement plan. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a double-edged sword benefit I, or something like that? It's like, like the triple-edged sword. <laughs> wow. It's amazing. I'm glad, though, that you're kind of preaching moderation here a little bit, Kevin, at least early on, because Mm -hmm. how many businesses fail because they're undercapitalized? They take too much of the cash out. They're living too large of a lifestyle and they're not leaving enough cash in it to get through the rough spots, that sort of thing. So you, you definitely want to make sure that the business is cared for because it is the cash cow that is, you know, kicking off all the income that you hope to be able to do something wise with. Well, once you know that the business is self-sustaining, that it is well-funded, and you realize that, hey, there is something here for me to pull money out to live off of, but also pull money out of the business to be able to save for the future for that day when some someday you're going to walk away from that business, either sell it, shut it down. Maybe you know some businesses can thrive for a while and then go into a period of decline. You never know what the future is going to hold. And, and that's part of the reason why you need to have assets built up in retirement accounts or or other investments that are not dependent upon you to get out of bed every morning and go hustle to make it succeed. Mm-hmm. And I've seen that over and over and over again over the last 28 years where the, the small business owner 
will say, I, yeah, I don't know where the money's going to come from, but I'm going to set that up, and we're going to figure out a way to get that funded every year. And over time, in addition to the business growing and being healthy, they've got a separate pool of money growing and diversifying them. And, and I've especially in 2020, we saw the folks that had that diversification, they had their business, and they had a separate retirement plan. That that saved a lot of small businesses. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, absolutely. You know, if there are businesses that fail from being undercapitalized, there are an awful lot of retirements that fail from being undercapitalized as well. And a lot of business owners, they get to the end of retirement and they don't do exactly what you're describing. And they have to sell the business for some top dollar in order to suddenly fund retirement at the last possible second because they haven't been building it along the way. What they don't realize is that there are accounts available to small business owners, self-employed individuals that you can use to fund retirement out of some of the profits of the business. Things like a SEP IRA or a single K, we often call it, which is a 401k for an individual in a in their own self-employed uh, business. That's not a 401k for single individuals. You That's can right. have it if you're married. <laughs> just no problem. Uh, okay, so then let's get really specific. If you're if you're self-employed, mm-hmm. Josh just mentioned I probably wouldn't put it in that order. Right. I'd probably say single K yep. first or solo K. It used to be called a Keo. There's all sorts of Una 401k. Yeah, whatever. And so uh, so single K. Hmm. Mm. Depends on if you have employees or not. If you have employees, you're probably looking at maybe a simple IRA. If you don't, then maybe a SEP IRA. And if you have employees and the cash is really working, you're probably going to look at a PEP type 401k. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, Anything else you'd add there for consideration? No. I I agree with you. The, the, The simple IRA is great if you have 100 employees or less. And you're, you're not able to fully fund what you want to do. The, the contribution limits are a little bit smaller with the simple IRA. And it's really easy. It's a, it's a great starter. Yeah. Um, and I would never look down my nose at someone who has a simple IRA. I, I was talking with someone in our industry yesterday who said simple IRAs are, you know, they're, they're kind of dead now. I'm like, no, they're not, no. dude. What? No, no, no. What, the, 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 the pep might take them out. Yeah, but, but he, this, guy lived, this, this guy lived and was working in New York City. Oh yeah. So the, yeah. there's a very there's a big difference from the kind of the coastal elites to the folks of us in the in the heartland yeah. here who are working hard and and well, um, we just see different things. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. Or we see things differently. Whatever. <laughs> you <want to> say. <laughs> well, and then and then again, getting real practical above and above and beyond all of this, the advice was given in the first segment, and I mean, it just has to be the entire tone of this discussion, and that is, you need to calculate how much you should be saving. I mean, this is one of the primary roles of your certified financial planner, looking at all six areas of your financial life and helping target how much should you be saving. And guess what? Yes, you should automate it and and you know pay yourself for set it and forget it, all that sort of stuff. But then you've got to update that analysis in an ongoing basis to make sure you account for changes, changes in your goals, changes in the world. Right. And so uh, so you've got to calculate that with your CFP. And and, oh, go ahead. Josh. I was just going to you know piggyback on that and just say you don't want to allow the IRS or your employer or someone outside of your financial life to define for you what the limits are for your contributions. 
It should be your plan that drives the right contribution and then find the tools, the places to set that money aside. That's what your certified financial planner is for. That's that's why that's why I get these comments from YouTube. YouTube will occasionally be watching the full show and say, you know, this could have been 10 minutes. Well, I know, you know, we're, we're kind of talking through a bunch of details and on radio. But I mean, Josh, you just nailed it. In, in 15 seconds. That is that is it. That plan is your financial plan, not your 401k plan. Your financial plan drives how much and determines how much you should be saving. All right, we've got more coming up on the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Thanks for being here. This is the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. With me in the KFU studios, Kevin Corhorn and Josh Gregory. Every episode of the Wise Money Show is on the YouTube channel. Go check it out. If you haven't been there before, every episode is there, but also Next Wise Step videos and, and all sorts of content that we post uh, all throughout the work week. So, so go to YouTube, search the Wise Money Show, subscribe to it there. Stop whispering, guys. I'm trying to do something here. No, Mike, okay, we're on the air. Mike, you're doing great. Okay. Hey, we're so proud of you. Hey. I was just telling Josh to put that in the Wise Money Slack channel. <laughs> so listen. The, go to the YouTube channel. Here's the amazing thing. Last year, uh, Mike's fans and Josh oh. and I are just kind of um, uh, hanging around Mike just to get a little uh, whatever the, the 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 thing you get from being a big star there. But I mean, Mike's fans listen to five million minutes of Mike now, talking about so stuff. We can't talk about that because the four million of those were me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Go check it out. Lots of lots Five, of content there. Five hundred thousand, uh, Leanne, and the other five hundred. Ken, we, we get we we get a lot of questions. The reason why I'm uh, we're talking about the the YouTube channel is we get a lot of questions, a lot of engagement on the YouTube channel. Uh, so much that um, I, originally it was I'm going to keep up with all of it, and it, it's it's to the point now where. Um, I keep up with as much as I can in our team. We got a great question here from Greg um, about donating appreciated assets to a donor advised fund. Here's the comment slash question. Appreciated assets that are donated to a donor advised fund have to be owned for a year or more. Basically, they've got to be long-term capital gain type, uh, type assets. Otherwise, when you make the donation, the deduction that you get is only your cost basis. Um, is that correct? Not the, not the market value. Now, here's the thing. The uh, internal revenue code, the tax code here in the, the U.S., um, is the most complicated tax code on the planet. They've, they've got that. You know, uh, world's best coffee uh, that is typically... Um, said by the place that has the worst coffee. No, the U.S. <laughs> US has the most complicated tax code, and they are actively making it more difficult. There are back alleys in this thing. There are exceptions and then exceptions to exemptions. So, um, Greg, I don't know. And, guys, I don't, I don't know if you guys have this answer or not yet. I can tell you right now one of the things that people get um, confused about a lot is long-term capital gain property, long-term. When you make that contribution into your donor advice fund, you get to deduct the market value, right? Whatever. So if you bought something for a thousand and it's now worth five thousand, you donate that five thousand into your donor advised fund, you get to deduct five thousand dollars on on your taxes. Now, the question is, what if you what if you invested that thousand dollars and then six months later it turned into five? Have we found the the answer? Is there an exception to an exception to an exception? Uh, you know, I'm I'm seeing some evidence that this may be right. Mm-hmm. 
Um, we were talking kind of at the break, like, wow, what a puzzling question. None of us have ever been asked that question before. Should you only be contributing long-term capital gain assets to your donor advised fund? And there's some, there's some uh, law offices out there, some folks who specialize in this that say, no, you, if you contribute the short-term capital gain type assets, you're limited to only the cost basis is as this, your write-off. Is this like sometimes in the financial Twitter sphere or whatever, like people say, you know, okay, the top, like the, the only <laughs> these sorts of things only happen at tops. Well, when you're when you have so much short-term capital gains, so, so much short-term appreciation that you're worried about how to donate it and what you get, like those are that doesn't happen at market bottoms. <laughs> I'll just say right, that. Right. Right. So, Greg, that's a great question, and because this is a jargon-free zone, what what Greg is referring to. This donor-advised fund, it means I can put anything into a donor-advised fund. I can put cash. I can put highly appreciated securities. I can put I can put uh, unappreciated securities. Whatever I want to put in there, when I put that in there, the question, Greg's question is, well, what's, what's the benefit to me? Yeah. And so it, using an example, if I bought a stock for $1,000, its value is $10,000, but I haven't held it for a year. Greg's point is your your deduction is limited to your basis, or that which is what you invested originally. Correct. And, yeah. Go so ahead. so this is where when you use a donor advised fund, the, the they've become much more popular because when you use a donor advised fund, depending on the one that you're using, you can automate your charitable giving. You can automate your charitable giving to your church. You can give monthly to your church. You can give to various organizations and you can stop writing checks. We, we helped a client this past year set up a donor advised fund and he said, I'm going to, you just saved me from writing about 54 different checks. I hate writing checks. Yeah. Can't stand it. So, and the nice thing is, is, when this is this goes electronically, it's all done. Mm-hmm. It's, there's nothing more to do. There's nothing. It's all tallied. It's all electronic. So this is what I would think about, Greg. If I've got a stock that I bought for a thousand, it's worth ten thousand. What else might I want to do with that? If I was giving it, if I wanted to give it to charity, and I only got a thousand dollar benefit instead of a ten thousand dollar benefit. I might not want to give it to charity. I wouldn't give it to charity. So, but where does charity start? <laughs> at home. I, I, charity starts favorite, at home. Your favorite radio show. That's right. <laughs> so, if charity starts at home, I would think: Is there any chance that I will be gifting my children any money? Is there going to be a call and they say, "Hey, Dad, the car died. I need another car, or I need a car repair, or I need some money at college, or fill in the blank." If there's any kind of charity happening within the family, those would be great assets to uh, give to the children. Because when you gift that money, so if Mike is my favorite child and I, and Mike says, hey, uh, dad, I need $10,000, I can gift that $10,000 to Mike. My basis is 1000 so I'm also gifting my basis to Mike. Yep. But if Mike needs the money, it's quite possible He's in a position where his capital gains tax rate is zero. Yeah, or just overall tax rate is really low, right? For, right. for short-term gain property, and so yeah, that's that's a way to, yeah, optimize. Well, how do you pay the tax? Certainly, certainly, if if it's short-term gain property 
and you really want to donate it, work with your CFP and your CPA, have them do all the research. They're going to, you know, weed through the conflicting sources and then say, all right, here's the right path to take. If it's determined that no, short-term gain property, your 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 donation is the basis. You don't donate that. I, I think you'd you'd look at other. I mean, if you have a knack for for creating a, a vast amount of short-term capital gain with assets, likely you've got other assets, and you can consider. All right, what makes the most sense to donate at this time? That's right. And if you here's a principle that is always true. You want to be donating things that have the most gain built into them. Not, you know, irrespective of is it short term, is it long term, what has run up in value, which represents a lot of taxable income to you if you're the one that sells it ultimately. But if it gets transferred to a charity or to someone in a lower tax bracket, either one is this, it's the same concept. You're minimizing the tax. Obviously, the charitable contribution has different motivations attached to it. And ultimately, it completely avoids the tax. Yeah. So when you're selecting what to transfer into your donor advised fund, or the alternative is to just give some stock directly to that charity, that's still a viable option too. You don't have to run it. It doesn't have to be a two-step process where it goes to a donor advised fund, gets sold, and then cash sent to the charity. You can, many charities, most organizations like this, they are set up to receive stock directly and then they sell it when the timing is, is right for them. So uh, look for those things that you are neutralizing the most tax uh, or the most taxable income and focus, focus on that principle. And granted, you can gift that stock directly to that charity, but I can tell you on behalf of the administrative team of that charity <laughs> or of, your, of the financial institution you're working with, like they would love you if you used a donor advised fund instead of uh, Cash is much easier cutting off to... a slice. And you say, That's why right. are we talking about this in January? Because usually we're talking about gifting towards the end of the year. And I'll tell you why. Because if you start thinking about it in January and you get the, the wheels in motion, right. you're not going to be in December like... Like we just went through where you're doing the scramble. I, uh, how often do we start talking about this with clients in the fourth quarter and have them say, oh, well, I've sort of been donating cash all throughout the year. And so I don't know if I want to like triple, quadruple my contributions, right? So here's, yeah, think about it now. So here's the pro tip. If you say, hey, this year I'm going to give $50,000 to charity and I know that, if you have highly appreciated stock or a highly appreciated mutual fund in your portfolio, set up the donor advised fund, gift that. And if you still want that stock, if it's a stock that you're in love with, um, then you can always buy that back. And all you've done is improved your cost basis and you've created a, a different lot that you can sell at some point in time uh, to help you with your taxes. Yep. All right. Next question here is from Alex. If uh, if you have a Roth 401k, should you open up a Roth IRA? Well, I'm so glad you asked. Yes. Yes, you should. We've, <laughs> we've had probably one of our most popular uh, um, episodes because it just gets a lot of, uh, I don't know, it's contentious in a way, is, is the five-year rule. The five-year rule for the Roth IRA is that in order for your, your gains to come out tax-free, a you've got to make a qualified withdrawal. A qualified withdrawal is, well, after age 59 and a half, and you've had a Roth IRA open for five years. Not that Roth IRA, but any Roth IRA open for five years. Well, is a 401k a Roth IRA? No, it is not. 
No, no, it's not. And, and similar animal, but technically different enough that it does not qualify you for a lot of the good tax savings available. So the big idea, if you've been saving into a Roth 401k, Roth 401k, Roth 401k, and then you retire, and what are you going to do? You're going to roll that Roth 401k over to a Roth IRA and then start drawing money out. The way, I mean, this is, I think it's a glitch in the tax code, but the way we see it and the way other experts see it is, well, you haven't had that Roth IRA open for five years, therefore, mm-hmm. you know, those, that growth could be taxed. And, and, and so, yes, I would have you open a Roth IRA if, if only just to get that five-year clock started so you don't have to worry about this if they don't fix this and clarify this gap. Well, and the Roth IRA, again, represents one of those additional tax savings or, or tax-sheltered buckets that you can contribute to if you've already maxed out the 401k at work. So this expands your ability to save for retirement. And the cool thing about a Roth IRA that we don't talk about a whole lot is that when you put money in, you can technically pull your contributions back out yeah. without being taxed or penalized on that. So it's it's not quite the same as setting it aside and saying, I cannot touch this until age 59 and a half. Yeah. And, and I don't want to um, say, well, the only reason you would have an IRA, a Roth IRA if you are funding a Roth 401k is for that five-year clock. No, that's definitely not the only reason. You know, what What if uh, you you don't like your investment choices within your Roth 401k? What if you've maxed out your Roth 401k? And anyway, there's lots of other reasons why you may also want, what if What if you're contributing your to your Roth 401k and then you get a bonus? There's lots of other reasons why you'd say, yeah, Roth contributing still makes sense in your situation. And let's also fund the Roth IRA. So thanks for the question. All right, that's all the time we have for today. On behalf of Josh Gregory, Kevin Corhorn, all of us at KFG, have a great weekend. We'll see you next Saturday for the Wise Money Show with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated. What you're watching right now, every episode of The Wise Money Show. Oh, my goodness. What am I saying? Hey, uh, can we turn that camera around? Thank you. Which one? That one. Why? Who's it on? It. It's. I can't tell where I'm. Where I'm at. So. Anyway. Mm. Someday I, when I we're started. Star- I started looking into it. and I'm like, what am I saying? Josh. Someday when we're stars, <laughs> we'll we'll be dependent. I, I need to be yeah. able to see myself while I talk. <laughs> oh my goodness. My big full lips. I need to make sure they're moving just right. <laughs>